grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to begin with a little announcement. I listened to uh, the Lutheran Hours broadcast on a podcast. You may know what that is. I'm not sure what it is, but it's anyway. Broadcast on a podcast on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And this morning, the uh, guest speaker uses the text from June, it's a, of Jude in its entirety as his basis for his message. And I encourage you, if you can find it on your computer, you listen to it. It's quite revealing and, and of course, always well done. The gospel lesson we heard earlier and uh, even the lesson from Isaiah and what we learned from Jude's short book of 25 verses is really fire and brimstone stuff in a lot of people's minds. But I'm not going to do that because really they are words of comfort, words of assurance. If we could sum it all up, I guess, I guess we could say that in spite of how bad things get in this world and they seem to get increasingly worse without any bottom being reached, we're okay. And we don't have to worry. We have a king on the throne. Now, I've been interested in monarchies for a long time, and I've been especially interested in the British, the English form of monarchy that's been in existence from its birth about a thousand years ago until the present day. My interest started because I was going to have some surgery done about 10 years ago, and it required two weeks of bed rest. So the doctor suggested I find a good big book to read. So I did. It was a thousand pages, not counting illustrations and maps and such. And it was about the history of England. Just England, the island itself, not, not the extended part. Well, reading it was uh, surprisingly easy. And it was kind of like being there. You could picture all of these monarchs who write into history and write out of history again and, and all the wars and turmoil that has been uh, experienced on that island. Summing it up, it seems that being king of England, even with uh, Queen Elizabeth today, is not all it's cracked up to be. It's really the most insecure job anyone could have in the world. Because if you were the monarch, you could be sure someone was out to get you, to replace you, to get rid of you. So in English history, it's really a miracle that uh, the system has survived down to until today in its present form. But still we often hear about the, the attacks made on the British monarchy by forces that would replace it or just eliminate it. Well, our king today is Christ and today is Christ the King Sunday. And isn't it interesting that we end the church year on a high note with the king of kings coming to take us home and one week later we start all over again with the King of Kings coming to us in a manger in Bethlehem. Our King is Jesus Christ and he's King of all kings from eternity to eternity. He's in total control. We don't have to worry anything about military coups removing him from power and he has assured us, he's promised us that we are safe. All they can do is kill the body, they can't kill the soul. He promises to bring an end to evil to an end, an end to pain and suffering. When he has accomplished all that he has promised to do, that'll be the, the environment in which he rules. 
what's really outstanding and astounding is that he has told us the plan by which we can know that he is on the move, putting his plan into effect. We have nothing to fear. I have a book, and it's a favorite, and it's a children's book, and it's a book that illustrates how Jesus leads and gets things done. And it's always through other people, you know. Well, the book is one of a series, one of seven, called the, Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia. And the book I love the most, and actually the two that I love the most, are the first one, which is, and it just escapes my mind right now, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and his follow-up, Prince Caspian. It's a series of books written by C.S. Lewis for children. But in it, he represents Christ as a lion. As you read this little book, you become enamored with this lion who never is at the center of all the action. He is always in the shadows. He's always giving his followers glimpses of himself. And only with his death and resurrection does he become a central figure of action. I just love to read about Aslan. If you want a connection with Christ, Aslan is the one you need to find out about. Two feature films have been made about this series of books, The, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Prince Caspian, and probably you've seen one or perhaps even both. In today's lessons, Jesus presents himself as being himself, not a lion. And he presents, he presents himself as being ready to bring everything in heaven and on earth to an end. He urges us to stay awake. Did we get that message in the readings today? To the signs of his coming and always believe that he can return any day. Then Isaiah and Jude, who wrote the Old Testament and the epistle lessons for today, they repeat this urgency. And time after time in their writings, they say, we cannot make our plans just assuming that we will carry them out. And in fact, in James, the book of James, he says, we should never, we should always say, with any plans we make, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. Everything is up to the Lord. Well, regarding the coming of Christ, there's a question that each of us needs to answer. It's very simple. The question is, am I ready for the return of Jesus Christ? And I know some people in different churches who really labor over that question. They're never quite sure. I had a grandmother who knew nothing in her life by church, and she always thought she'd get into heaven by the skin of her teeth. Knowing there's no skin on the teeth, I don't know what she expected to accomplish. But she was never sure of her salvation. But the answer is not a scary answer to a scary question. Jesus describes all the signs of his coming as being around us all the time. So it's easy to answer, yes, I am ready, because Jesus made it simple for a person to be ready for Christ's return. These statements, do you believe that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead? That's from scripture. Or Jesus said, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Now we'll raise him up on the last day. Or the most familiar statement, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have 
everlasting life? And to those three statements, believers can always answer, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. Well, then it, that just begs the question, how do we become believers in Christ? The answer, it's God the Holy Spirit doing all of this work. The Holy Spirit creates the faith in Christ in you as we hear Jesus' words spoken. In Romans 19, the Bible says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. But how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without someone preaching? So here we are today, I am preaching. You are hearing me preach about Jesus and the Holy Spirit is working in your life to create faith or increase your faith in Christ. There's always something going on within us in the work of God. In his small catechism, you could probably recite this with me, Luther explains how Christ himself is involved in keeping us awake for his return. To the question, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? He answers, it means, I believe that Jesus Christ, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man born of a virgin Mary is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. Jesus says, warning us about the signs that we may see, he says, look out for false Christs who will perform signs and wonders. Be awake and don't be led astray. Jesus talks about wars and earthquakes and natural calamities as signs of the world. He describes cataclysmic events in the heavens taking place. And we've come to appreciate that these days, I think, because with things like the Hubbard telescope, which looks deep into space, we see all the activity that's going on within galaxies and star systems blowing up, being created and uncreated and so forth. We're getting used to that. Jesus says these are signals that his return is near. But don't be afraid because he's coming for us. When I was a boy a long time ago, I had a paper route and I had the afternoon edition, which meant uh, I'd come home from school, go out, get the papers, fold them, put, it, get them on, put them on my bicycle, and ride out into the neighborhood to deliver them. And I lived in a state where there were a lot of large thunderstorms that could just pop up all of a sudden. And I remember seeing thunder, thunder clouds in the late afternoon, where a nice sunny day suddenly turns black. And the thunder clouds rise to thousands of feet. And they're rolling and, they're, and the lightning is crashing within them and the sound is deafening. And I'm on my little bicycle out in the middle of this rainstorm and, and I'm wondering if, if this could be it. I mean, it was that impressive. Are these the clouds of glory and power? We don't know. But Jesus says, stay awake. I think the greatest threat to not staying awake is complacency. 
we grow used to the bad news we hear seven days a week, especially in politics, especially in world events, especially in public health. We grow used to the bad news. It just doesn't affect us as much anymore, or we turn it off like I do. I'm just tired of hearing it. It makes me angry, I get upset, and that doesn't have a good ending. We can't think that because nothing happened yesterday, that nothing will happen today or tomorrow. As a result of us becoming insensitive to what's going on around us, we can kind of morph into a comatose Christian state. We still look good on the outside, but spiritually inside, we need a wake-up call. So again, Jesus tells us what to look for. I didn't count how many times he said, stay awake, but it was at least three, I'm sure. Stay awake. The signs are everywhere. Watch out for false Christ who perform signs and wonders. Take notice of wars and earthquakes, floods, cataclysmic events in the heavens, especially when the sun, moon, and stars are darkened and the stars are falling from the sky, from the heavens. People then will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and glory. But Jesus doesn't say, run for the hills, get out of town, get in your shelter. No, he says, straighten up, straighten up, raise your head. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Look for him, you'll see him. He's coming for you, for all believers, and no one, no one will be left behind. How do we stay awake and alert? Well, Jesus says, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. Everything I've told you will remain. He's saying that his word is a standard by which we measure everything we hear as true or false. If what we believe and teach does not square with what Jesus teaches, it is false. Anyone who claims to be Christ, by definition, is a false Christ. Their signs and wonders will fail the test. Their teachings will fail the test. And what's really interesting, the biggest false teaching of all fails the test. And that biggest false teaching is this, that all religions are the same and they all lead to God. It's false. And those who dreamed it up simply are adding insult to injury to all these false religions to claim to have the truth in the first place. Jude, a relative of Jesus and writer of one of the two shortest books in the Bible, there's only 25 verses in it, he urges us to keep ourselves built up in the faith, growing in it, praying in the spirit, keeping ourselves in the love of God. And God will keep you from stumbling and pick you up if you fall. And this is a text to which the Lutheran Hour spoke this morning, which I encourage you to, to listen. We go with Christ, fully outfitted for the journey. You've heard it described before. We wear the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace for shoes, holding the shield of faith, wearing the helmet of salvation, carrying the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying all the time in the spirit, keeping alert with all perseverance and making supplications for all the saints. We're dressed for the job we're to be doing and we're equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We simply just cannot be complacent. We cannot assume things will keep going on into the future as they have in the past because they're not going to do that. Now, a well-known commentator in previous years offered his view on the signs of Christ's return. He says, I do not wish to force anyone to believe as I do. Neither will I permit anyone to deny me the right to believe that the last day is at hand. The words and signs of Christ compel me to believe that such is the case. He says, there's never been such building and planting in the world. There never has been such gluttonous and varied eating and drinking as now. Wearing apparel has reached its limit in costliness. There, have been, there has arisen all sorts of art, sculpture, engravings, the like of which has never been seen before. There never was such a keenness and understanding and a judgment among Christians as there is now. And then there are all the new inventions that just boggle the mind, like printing, firearms, and other implements of war. These things compel me to believe that Christ will soon come to judgment. So stay awake. That commentator was Martin Luther. He voiced that observation in 1522 in a Sunday sermon. And he's still saying us today, along with Jesus and Jude and Isaiah, stay awake. Your redemption is near. Amen. I invite you to stand as we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.